You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are live. It is a Monday morning. It is the Standing Room Podcast, and it is your host, Kevin Parker, with another episode here today, coming hot out of vacation. I actually just arrived back home today uh, watching some golf. I got the golf going on in the background here, PGA Championship. I wanted to make sure we hopped on the podcast and talked about all the news that I missed while I was gone. If you listened last week, uh, of course, on Monday and Thursday, we did uh, a couple fun episodes just breaking down some of the uh, records at Michigan State career and single season offense and defense and you know how the evolution of the game of football is going to affect some of these records. And I, I mentioned that I pre-recorded them because I was on vacation um, and, and was hoping that there wasn't a whole lot of news while I was gone because I wanted to make sure I could get to it on the podcast And, well, of course, uh, there was a ton of information. There was a new Big Ten schedule released. There was a Michigan State team being quarantined and then coming back to practice. There was a whole lot of stuff that I'm going to get to here today. Uh, Of course, follow me on Twitter at StandingRoomMSU. Uh, even though I was out on the beach for most of the weekend and drinking beer most of the weekend as well, uh, I made sure to give you some of my takes on on some of the news that's been coming out on Twitter. But uh, of course, on Twitter at Standing Room MSU, on Instagram, Standing Room Spartans, you can uh, listen to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever it is, Google, wherever it is you're listening to podcasts, you can find me. So make sure you subscribe. Leave a review if you haven't already. If if you've been listening through the whole way, I really appreciate your support. If it's your first time listening, I welcome you in and, and hope that you enjoy the show and you stick around for a little while. So today we got a packed show. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I, I did do a little promotion here over the weekend. I was just short of 400 Twitter followers, so I wanted to make sure we got over that number we did. Uh, and I asked some of you for you know some messages, some of the new followers, some messages that you wanted to share on the podcast. So I have some of that that we'll get to. We got the schedule release. I have some thoughts about the new Big Ten schedule, the Big Ten only schedule. We had the preseason roster get released. So I'll talk quickly about some of the things that stood out there. 
we had some updates with the practices. Uh, we got a whole lot of stuff here. But first, uh, like I said, over the weekend, I-, I gave a little promotion. I wanted to get over my threshold of followers here. So I had something like 25 new followers on the weekend. So welcome all of you if you're listening to the podcast uh, but I, I did uh, reach out uh, and DM some of the folks that were um, new followers over the course of the weekend. I, I asked if there was any message that you wanted to share, if there was any uh, you know questions that you had for me, and, and I got some stuff that I want to read off. So there's one I want to read to start this off, uh, and then the rest of you uh, will read right at the end here. So So stay with me. Um, we'll read them off at the end as we go along, give some thoughts as well. But um, Cooperman, you have at Coop underscore MTU on Twitter sent me a DM and said uh, the following. The daughter of a good friend and Spartan alumni, quote, Mac, has a teenage daughter who is expressing interest in going to U of M. Like me, We both think being in Ann Arbor is nauseating and can't stand anything related to the Wolverines. How should he handle that situation? Um, Now, I feel like one of those, you know, old, uh, what is it, like gossip magazines. You have the little thought column of, you know, well, my boyfriend is, uh, what should I do? You know, trying to give some advice here, but I, I do have some thoughts. So, um, I, I've thought about this many times, you know, as I go along in, in my life, my mother, my father, my brother, everybody in my family is a Spartan. So I grew up going to Michigan State football games basically when I was born. Um, when, when I was born, they they wrapped me in a Michigan State uh, a blanket. I, I mean, I, I've basically been a Sparty from, from day one. And so I've thought about the possibility of, you know, hey, one day maybe I'll have a family and some kids of my own. And, you know, hey, what what if one of them wants to go to Michigan? I, you know, my hated rival my entire life. What would I do? And I, I've thought about this. You know, I'm, I'm 26. We're, we're starting to get to that age in our life where you start thinking about some of these things. So uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, Michigan's a, it's a great school academically. So uh, if you have a child that can get into M- to U of M and, and you did something right, I, I guess that's probably a good feeling. Now, that, that probably means if they got into U of M that they had no social life. So you probably failed as a parent in that sense, uh, or that they're just naturally gifted. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you gave him a nice brain DNA, you know, but uh, you probably didn't do a whole lot of work on that sense. So, I mean, you know, you feel pretty good about it, but you're you're not like the best parent in the world. Come on. Um, now, my suggestion, let's, you know, I, I, I don't want to give a recruiting pitch to Michigan State over Michigan. I, I don't want to pitch somebody away from Michigan because, again, you know, I, I grew up not too far away from the campus and, you know, growing up in Metro Detroit, a, a few of my friends went to Michigan and, and look, guys, it's a good school. So, you know, if if said daughter is smart enough and, you know, has the academic standing to to go to Michigan and, and become a lawyer, a doctor, whatever the case may be, look, my my grandfather had uh, lung cancer and got his treatments at University of Michigan and 
you know, there, there are some tremendously gifted people that go through campus there. So I'm, I'm actually, I'm not going to try to sway them away from the, the university of Michigan, but I will give some tips, some things that I've thought about as far as, you know, how to swallow this in the best way possible. And suggestion number one, avoid Ann Arbor in the fall at all costs, because, Ann Arbor in general, it's, it's a nice town. Uh, you know, I, again, I grew up not too far away, uh, and you know, there's, there's some great breweries. There's a lot of great hiking. There's, there's some, a lot of green area kayaking on the Huron river. So there's a lot of stuff to do, but you don't have to be there in the fall. Now, you know, a lot of students don't like their parents visiting on game days anyway, you know, and tailgating with them because, you know, the kids want to get messed up with their friends and, you know, drink uh, fireball out of the bottle and, and all that kind of stuff. And they don't want to be embarrassed around their parents. Now, for me, my parents kind of already knew that stuff was going on. So for me, it basically meant, you know, free food, pretty, you know, a lot better alcohol at my parents' tailgate than I'd be drinking anywhere else. So, you know, I didn't really mind heading over to the parents. You know, we we drink with our friends. You know, you try to to maintain a certain level of uh, of let's call it effed upness. Uh, we're a family friendly podcast here, but you know, you try to keep it reasonable. And then you head over to the parents' tailgate. You just gorge on as much of that food as you can. You know, my parents usually had some craft beer. The tailgate usually had some good whiskey or vodka. You know. So some stuff that you wouldn't find at the regular college tailgate, you get some maker's mark or something, but you know, most, most kids don't like tailgating with their family. So that should be pretty easy anyways, but just avoid it in the fall at all costs and avoid the people in general. Now, if you go to Ann Arbor, let's say, you know, you're going to visit your daughter, you're going to visit your family over there and, and you want to, you know, drop some stuff off at campus, whatever the case may be. Um, just, you know, suggest, Hey, Hey, uh, daughter Mac, um, you know, let's, let's go hiking for the day. Let's go kayaking. Uh, just avoid all the people and you're fine. Cause Ann Arbor is a beautiful place as long as you don't interact with any of the people that live there. So, um, that, that's my suggestion. You know, it's a good school at the end of the day. So just, just when you visit, avoid all of the people and you should be fine. So, um, you know, don't, don't try to talk her out of a good school at the end of the day. Come on. Now, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll, we got a few more of those. We'll get to them at the end of the podcast. I want to make sure I share all of them. But first thing we want to get to here is the Big Ten schedule was released. The 10-game schedule, conference only, five road games, five home games, a couple bye weeks um, with a little bit of wiggle room at the end of the season if they want to, uh, if they have to, I should say. Uh, move some things around and and push the championship game back, whatever the case may be. So I think they did a pretty good job. They kind of wait. They did the wait and see approach as far as making the actual schedule. We knew it was going to be conference only, um, and, and they did kind of take their time in, in planning this. You could tell. Um, I, I do think they did a pretty good job with it at the end of the day. So, you know, we'll kind of go through. I, I broke it up into three periods. Um, because you do have 12 weeks, so uh, 12 scheduled weeks, I should say. So you have 12 scheduled weeks. So you can break these into three pods, I guess, of four weeks each. Now, the first period you have, uh, you know, we'll look at this in hockey terms. So the first period, 
Uh, we start off the season with Minnesota at home. Then we go at Maryland. Then we come back home for Northwestern. Then we go on the road at Penn State. So you have alternating home and road games. Uh, but really the thing that stands out here is opening the season with Minnesota uh, when previously, with the original schedule, we were going to open the season with Northwestern. Um, now, of course, Minnesota is a much better team than Northwestern. There is at least slated to be a much better team than Northwestern. And so that, I guess in that sense, is it's a tough draw. Um, you, you know, with, with this shortened amount of practices, I mean, we just started practicing last week here. Um, still have no word on, you know, and we'll get to this in a little bit. I, I want to touch on it. Still have no word when we're going to be able to practice with pads. Um, and so with a week one, you know, no spring practice, new head coach, we're not even practicing with pads yet. And, and we're less than a month away from a, a scheduled week one game against a team that should be competing for a Big Ten West crown. So that's of course, uh, a tough draw. Now, Minnesota, they have had their best receiver opt out of the season. You had uh, Rashad Bateman, one of the best receivers in all of college football, um, decided to opt out, prepare for the NFL draft. They're also losing their offensive coordinator who uh, went over to Penn State. And so that, you know, it, it's going to be a little bit of a transition period for Minnesota as well, but it, it's still a team that's returning their starting quarterback, that's returning all five of their starting offensive linemen. Um, and they they have a lot of continuity, of course, P.J. Fleck coming back for, I think, his third season. So um, th- that's going to be a tough game week one. And of course, you know, you would rather have Northwestern on the schedule there, but um, you At the end of the day, you do have two winnable games right after that. Now, again, the beginning of the season is going to be really tough for this coaching staff to get everybody ready. Um, but at Maryland, home Northwestern, those are two very winnable games. And, you know, you're going on the road at Penn State. You just hope that you stay competitive in that game because I, I think it would be a real miracle if we pulled out a win. But if you find somehow find a way to go two and two to start the season, I mean, that would give everybody hope. I think that that we're on the right track with how little time this staff has to prepare with no starting quarterback with, uh, you know, just the amount of turnover on the roster. Jacob Panishuk decides to opt out for the season. So we're down our only returning starting defensive lineman. So now we're breaking in four new defensive linemen. Of course, Naquan Jones, a guy that has a lot of experience and has played a lot of snaps. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's four brand new starters uh, with Jacob Pandeshuk deciding to redshirt this season. You have Jordan Reed, the only offensive lineman who has played all 26 games in the last two seasons. He is another guy who decides to opt out. And, you know, you can argue whether his talent is really going to be missed. But at the end of the day, with the way the offensive line has been just in shambles with injuries the last couple of years, just having a, a stable guy there at, at right tackle is something that, you know, it's really invaluable to, to have uh, one guy who's, who's ready to play. And, you know, health is health is a talent sometimes. And so uh, Jordan Reed missing, this season is going to be a tough loss. So 
with just the amount that's stacked against this coaching staff early on, if we find a way to go two and two over these first four games, that would be incredible. Now, I would probably expect one and three. You're looking at a loss at Minnesota, or against Minnesota week one. You're looking at a loss at Penn State week four. And between at Maryland, a team that I have very little faith in, I actually think that Rutgers is going to finish with a better record. But, you know, you're you're having to travel week two to Maryland. And, um, you know, with, with all of the COVID restrictions, we still don't really know what travel is going to look like. Are they going to travel the morning of that game? It's going to be the first game that this new team is traveling with under new restrictions and stuff. So, I think that's going to be just a weird circumstance around that one. And Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald's always played us tight. They've always played us with a good game. And, you know, they have new quarterback Peyton Ramsey coming in from Indiana. So um, realistically, I think we should expect a one and three start. But if we find a way to get two and two, folks, that's a big deal. I, I really do think that. Because the the second period that's coming up, the second chunk of four weeks, is uh, a, a little bit less comfortable here. You go, uh, this is week five at Michigan, followed by a bye week, home Ohio State, and home Rutgers. So uh, the bye after Michigan is nice. That That's a game that's emotional. It's physical. It, it wears you down mentally and physically. So getting a bye week after that is nice. Getting a a week to just kind of refresh, reset the batteries after a big rivalry game. And of course, the bye week before Ohio State is also nice. I think that's a game that nobody expects us to win. But getting a bye week, getting a little bit more time to prep, prepare, a little more preparation with the coaching staff. Again, that's the first bye week that we'll have. So Coming out of this camp, it's just going to be, uh, you know, chaos, I think, for five weeks, really, and trying to just kind of adjust on the fly, figure out what the hell's going on. You finally get a chance after five weeks and our biggest rival to breathe for a second and and get back into the film room and say, okay, five weeks in, we've played three really good teams. We've played two winnable games. Where are we? Where does our team stand? What have we absolutely done wrong? What have we been doing a good job of? And just really getting a chance finally to breathe after this flurry of activity from really, you know, here we are the start of August and finally getting into camp and and having to get these, seeing them on the field for the first time, seeing, you know, getting playbooks physically in their hands together in a in a coaching room and and together in a film room for the first time and and within a month you're going to have some of these games and you know man just just getting a bye week after Michigan after that week 5 is going to be huge for this staff to really just breathe you know and, and try to figure out what the hell's going on um and of course that bye week coming again before Ohio State a game where realistically we're probably not going to look to compete in, late in the fourth quarter in that game but you know, this is something that I'll echo a few more times, but the the expectations of this coaching staff should not be to go five and five or to go six and four or to go four and six. My expectations are to beat the teams that you absolutely should beat. Now, normally I would consider Maryland one of those games, but week two, first road game, you know, it's a, it's a weird circumstance. So you're looking at Rutgers basically as the only one. Um, 
But, you know, to win the games, you absolutely should win and, and stay competitive and all the rest of them. And that's kind of where my expectations fall is I don't want any games where we're getting blown out in the second quarter. I, I don't want any games where it's a four score game, you know, in the third quarter. I, I just I, I think when it comes down to it at Michigan, you know, Ohio State is tough. I, I think if you if you're going to swallow one blowout, that's going to be it. Minnesota, Penn State, Iowa, Nebraska. These are teams where I'm fine with losing to them, you know, with the way that everything's structured going into this season. But just just get me competitive, you know. And for this Ohio State game, we're coming out of a bye week. Just, just give me a competitive game where we're, you know, somewhere in the third quarter, we're still in it's a 10-point game and, and we're still in it. I think that would be nice, you know. Ohio State's got their bye week two weeks prior, so they don't have the luxury of the bye week right before that game. So I I just think that that's one that is certainly, again, a blowout capable team, you know, that that we're playing against. But um, if we can, you know, come out of the bye week strong and, you know, hey, maybe we score on the first drive of the game and, and just get a little bit of momentum. And keep the game competitive. I, I would like to see that. And then Rutgers, the one note I have here is I think this is the only must-win game on the schedule this year. We're seven games into the season at this point when we're playing Rutgers. We've had our bye week. We, we've had some time to really start figuring this team out, figure out a quarterback, all of this kind of stuff here. And I I do think this is the one must-win game because, again, I, I think Maryland's a bad football team, but – I can excuse a loss the first COVID road game, second week of the season. There's just a whole lot of weird variables going into that one. But Rutgers, you get them at home. You don't have to travel. You're seven games into the season. By now, hopefully, again, you've figured out who your quarterback is. You've Your team is starting to get some timing down. They're, they're starting to figure things out. You've had a bye week to, to really sit down and evaluate where your team is at against a bad football team. So I think that's the one must-win game of the season. That's week seven, or I'm sorry, week eight, I should say, seventh game of the season against Rutgers at home. And that takes us into our third period here, the last four weeks that are scheduled. You have at Iowa, home Indiana, by at Nebraska. So Three games scheduled in those last four weeks and three tough teams, man. Uh, Nebraska being the 10th game, uh, the 10th conference game that was added with this new schedule. Um, the the crossover games previously were, were scheduled to just be Iowa and uh, Northwestern and Minnesota. And of course, adding Nebraska as that fourth Big Ten West team. Uh, Nebraska on the road, it's it's a... It's a strong program with a lot of talented players and uh, Scott Frost going into his third year, I think is, you know, feeling some pressure there. But I don't think you can ever say Nebraska is going to be an easy win. We've seen that time and time again. I, I don't have to go back to 2015 to really explain that one to you. But, you know, it's it's just, uh, man, at Iowa, that's always going to be a tough game. Iowa is always going to be a team that's competing to win that division Indiana, we've talked about. They have so much talent coming back. They basically their entire starting twenty-two, their whole coaching staff is together. So 
that's going to be a tough one. You get a bye week before that last game of the season at Nebraska, but that's one where I believe almost everybody in the country has a bye week going into that game. Uh, let me check North. Uh, Nebraska does not actually. Nebraska has their bye week uh, the week 10, so the previous week. So they go bye week, Purdue, then Michigan State. So um, they're not going to be coming out of a bye week. We are going to be coming out of a bye week. Maybe that makes a difference. Maybe that helps us out. Again, we we also have to consider the fact that there's a big time chance that one of these games is going to get canceled and other games going to get canceled. Somebody's going to have to move some games around. Some of these bye weeks are going to be moved around. So um, don't expect us to play these 10 games as per, as currently scheduled. I'll say that. I, I still have some hope that hopefully we'll find a way to get this season off the ground, but definitely don't expect it to be played out as scheduled without any hiccups because we've already seen in Major League Baseball how that goes. But, you know, going back to this third period, this, this last stretch of the season, again, three tough games. Um, hopefully, again, we talked about it with Rutgers. Hopefully by then, we we get some timing down. We Jay Johnson's playbook is starting to make sense and click for some of these guys. We we find a quarterback, and you know, again, if it comes down to the fact that if we can win one of these three games, I'll be a happy man. So, all in all, man, it's a tough schedule. Uh, there's certainly no doubt about that. Again, Maryland, a team that I think we would look at previously and say, man, that's a that's a game we should win. Circle that one. Week two on the road, first game that you're traveling with new COVID restrictions, which we still don't really know the scope of what that's going to look like. There's a lot of weird variables going into that one, man. And so really, again, it comes down to one must-win game on this schedule, and that's Rutgers at home. Other than that, I, you know, I don't think we judge this season by wins and losses. So you know, whatever happens, happens. Hopefully we can roll the helmets out there and win a couple games. But um, with Jacob Panishuk already uh, deciding to redshirt, with Jordan Reed deciding to redshirt, knocked out of the season effectively um, as two big-time contributors to, to probably starter locks uh, going into the season, um, that certainly adds another wrinkle to this, man. And it's just a fluid situation that keeps changing day by day. I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon watching golf. And, you know, by the time this is released Monday morning, maybe something else drastic has changed. So um, it just keeps on changing again. And we're trying to keep up with all of it. And we're trying to to make the best out of the situation that we have. But, you know, man, again, at the end of the day, please don't judge this season by wins and losses because uh, nobody knows what that's going to look like. Um, so moving on from the schedule, uh, another big thing that was released over the course of this last weekend was the preseason roster. Now, very important to note is that height and weight has not been updated. Um, so that will hopefully be coming soon. Um, but I do have some guys as far as looking at heights and weights as as they're currently listed, which is most of them basically what they were at the end of last year. Uh, some thresholds that I'm going to want to hit. I have a couple of the freshmen that we'll talk about and a couple other things here. So we'll get to just some of the basic headlines. So um, Julian Barnett is listed as a cornerback. So that's something that we've talked about here in this offseason. 
Um, it, it seemed like the tea leaves were pointing towards him moving back to defense, and, and it seems that the coaching staff is confirming that he's listed at cornerback on the preseason roster. So we can likely pencil him in as a as a probably starter going into camp here, but um, again, there's a lot of things to shake out there. He didn't play a single snap on defense all last year, so you know, it's been over a season since he's played game snaps in high school on the defensive side of the ball. Um, again, I would pencil him in as a starter outside of Shakur Brown, probably, um, just based on talent alone. But, um, you know, you have Kalon Gervin, you have uh, Shakur Brown, you have now Julian Barnett. You have some talent there that's, that's I think, you know, greatly untapped. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see how that all plays out over camp. I know Mel Tucker dis- has uh, talked about the rep chart. You know, there's going to be the rep chart and then there's going to be the depth chart. And I really like how they're really attacking fall camp and and really digging into they're going to be watching film on every practice rep, on, on everything they do in drills, on every scrimmage, and, and really charting this thing out before they march a depth chart out for week one. Um, now, now going through some of the other things that I noticed here, um, Michael Fletcher. Now, Jacob Panishuk again, has opted out of the season, which leaves a void. Uh, Drew Beasley is probably going to be starting on one of the defensive end spots, and the other one it's kind of up for grabs here. Jack Camper maybe is in the mix. Michael Fletcher is a guy that I think really needs to step up. 6'5", 259 at the end of last year. That's really good size for an edge rusher. I would like to see him put on another five, six pounds of muscle um, and just, you know, continue to get more explosive. But he's a guy I think, you know, to look at in terms of filling Panishuk's role as the opposite defensive end with Drew Beasley. Um, Panishuk coming back in 2021 is going to be really interesting if a guy like Fletcher really breaks out and has a great season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how all the dominoes affect next year not not only this year um a couple guys that i need to gain weight we'll talk about the offensive line as a whole in a second here but uh ricky white he's listed is a incoming freshman wide receiver we talked about him on the podcast when i interviewed Corey robinson not arrivals um we talked about ricky white as a guy who could potentially come in as a true freshman and make some noise and, and get some playing time He's listed at 162 pounds, man. That is not going to get the job done in Division One Power 5 football. Uh, for reference, Jalen Naylor, who is a little bit of a slight frame, he's 191. He is 30 pounds heavier than Ricky White as, as currently listed. So, Ricky, you're going to need to put on some weight, my man, at least. 20 pounds before we can talk about being a durable college football player, man. I would like to see you get up to 180 for me to feel comfortable because uh, as a as a man who is a, a listed, I, I would list myself on the depth chart at about 6'2 and a half, 6'3, 185. Uh, man, I would be way too thin and I would break like a freaking toothpick out there in college football. So uh, Ricky White, 100, 162 pounds. That's uh, yikes, man. Again, one, about 185 for me, and I was a kicker, so uh, that that's not going to get the job done. So hopefully, Ricky White can put on some weight. Peyton Thorne listed at 197. Uh, as a quarterback in the Big Ten, you're going to need to get that up, man. Uh, 205, I think, would be a good threshold for Peyton Thorne putting on. 
you know, seven, eight pounds of muscle over the off season would be good for him. Uh, some other things that I, that stood out freshman Darius snow, six one ninety six. That's really good size coming in for a freshman defensive back. Uh, Devin Hightower coming in as a freshman, six one two fifteen. Uh, for reference, Antoine Simmons, six foot two fifteen. So uh, again, Simmons is a guy that I've talked about as far as looking at his NFL draft stock. That probably should be looking to put on a couple more pounds. You know, get over two twenty. But you know, with Devin Hightower coming in at the same size that Antoine Simmons is now. Uh, I really like that because that's a guy I think could step on the field right away with the hole at linebacker. Um, And that's a guy I think with, you know, good size coming in as a true freshman. Again, we'll see exactly what it is when they update these height and weights, but um, I I really like the sound of that. Kyle King, a guy that Corey Robinson mentioned on Twitter, he posted a picture of him. He looks great, man, for he does not look like a true freshman. Good size. Listed him at 6'3", 249. Curious to see what that number actually comes out to be. Um, Naquan Jones, 6'4", 338, the big fella. I, w- I would love to see him get that down a little bit. Uh, again, he's a guy who's who's been in the rotation and played quite a few snaps, but he hasn't been a full-time starter. So I would like to see him get that down, You know, maybe cut 10 pounds and work on that conditioning so that he can play full-time snaps. Um, and then other than that, the, the biggest thing, you know, is looking at the offensive line. So I, I kind of take, took a look at 10 guys. So of course, Jordan Reed opted out. So, so we're down our starting right tackle. Um, but I have 10 guys here who I think have a shot at meaningful snaps, just depending on what they do at right tackle, depending on the injury situations that play out as we've seen them continue to play out over the last few years. Um, so you have uh, at, kind of looking generally at the tackle spots. You're looking at AJR Curie, who's listed at six seven three zero six. You have uh, Kevin Jarvis, who's played left tackle. So we'll kind of lump him in here. I think he's more of a guard, but six four three zero seven. You have Luke Campbell, who's played a little bit of both six five three zero five. Spencer Brown, who is a very intriguing red shirt freshman. Um, definitely a tackle, definitely not a guard. 6'6", 326. You have Mustafa Khalifa, a guy that some people are excited about, 6'5", 305. Um, no, Devontae Dobbs, I, I would love to see him play tackle, 6'4", 295. Uh, and then you have the interior guys, Nick Samek, uh, Matt Allen, Blake Boyder. Uh, you have J.D. Duplain, again, Kevin Jarvis, I would probably put in there. Um, and, and between all of these guys, you have, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them who played at least 50 snaps last year. You have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six that played over 250 snaps. So again, these are a lot of guys who have been in the mix for playing time, who especially losing a guy who played all 26 games last season, last two seasons. Um, some guys who are going to be in the mix for even more playing time. Now, 10 of these players, again, uh, three only three of them are under 300 pounds, and that includes Devontae Dobbs, who's listed at 295. Um, you're including, let's see, J.D. Duplain, who's at 289, and Nick Samick, who's at 293. 
I would love to see all three of those guys get over that 300 pound mark. Uh, that's, that's kind of the magic number as far as being a great power five offensive lineman and, and having a chance at the NFL draft. Um, Devonte Dobbs, again, he's listed at six, four, two ninety five at the end of last year. I'd be shocked if he didn't get up to 300 by the start of the season. Uh, your JD Duplain, he's 11 pounds off that number. Nick Samex, seven pounds off that number at six, four, with a good frame to put on a few more pounds. So I, I would be surprised if they didn't, but again, you know, that that's kind of the benchmark. So um, those 10 guys that I think are in line for the, the playing time, the bulk of the playing time this season, um, and, and we'll see how that all shakes out here. But again, n- none of those heights and weights have been updated. So as soon as they do, um, we'll make sure to touch on that and see you know, what, what are some interesting numbers there. Um, last bit of news I want to get to here before... Um, we dip into some of these DMs, uh, is is that they decided, the Big Ten decided to extend the period of no pads with practice. So basically, they're just um, in helmets right now, and, and they're doing full walkthroughs. They're doing basically full one-on-one blocking and, and one-on-one drills and, you know, basically seven-on-seven, you know, if you're looking at kind of like how the the rivals camps or something would do it where there's no full tackling. But these guys are practicing and and without pads, and they extended the period with no pads. Now, to me, this makes no sense. I mean, basically, you're, you're having the idea that – it, the Big Ten just has no idea what's what's going on. The the NCAA has no idea what's going on. I don't think any of these conferences have any idea what's going on. And that's really frustrating because as fans, we also have no idea what's going on. And, and we would like to think that these guys who, you know, have background in, in different situations and are getting paid a lot of money to make these decisions that with the research they should have by now would, would be making better decisions. And, you know, we can debate if, or if not, there should be a college football season or, or whatever the case may be, but I'm looking at some of these decisions and this isn't even regarding, you know, should there be a season or not? I don't even really want to talk about that. I want to talk about just extending this time when no pads makes no sense. Again, you're, you're basically, Withholding padded practices, which does nothing to to reduce the risk for COVID spreading. I I mean, these guys are lining up. We've seen, you know, a a five on four drill with, you know, basically players lined up at the line of scrimmage. We've seen them doing one on one blocking drills. I mean, these guys are not maintaining any sort of social distancing in these practices or anything. They're, They're full on football practices. So without pads, you're not any more or less likely to spread this this virus, but you are increasing drastically the risk for injuries uh, of these players. Now, without moving the start date back, moving the date of padded practices back, you're just, it, it's, it's frustrating because, again, as a fan, you would like to think that these guys have their fingers on the pulse a little bit more and know what's going on, but it seems like they're just, you know, flying off the seat of their pants, which, again, it's, it's on one hand understandable because nobody knows what's going on and nobody knows what the next step is going to be. But at the same time, decisions like these are just mind-blowing because you're basically telling players, okay, 
Um, we, we don't want you to wear shoulder pads this week because we think that there's going to be more contact in practices. And, you know, we think that that's going to be something that spreads uh, the coronavirus uh, quickly through practice. And again, these guys are contacting each other one-on-one. They're all the time in practice now that they're not practices without shoulder pads in college football are not contactless practices. I don't know. Maybe they don't understand that, but um, what you're doing is just delaying and delaying and delaying these players getting able to, to actually have physical contact. And so by the time that week one rolls around and we're rolling the helmets out against Minnesota in a big 10 conference game, that's, you know, going to decide something down the line players are going to go full on and they've only been tackling for two weeks. And all of a sudden you have a whole litany of injuries and a whole list of guys that are out for the season. And it's, it's just really frustrating for me to see these quote unquote safety precautions that are, that are actually putting these players at risk even more for physical injury. And it just, Again, man, it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't really want to get into on this podcast whether there should be a season or not, because at the end of the day, I'm an economics major from Michigan State University with absolutely no background in science, in medicine, in you know uh, any of uh, anything that that's related to the spread of this illness. Um. My my cousin is an epidemiologist. He has his PhD and is somebody that I've talked to a little bit about this. But still, man, this this is something that's way above my pay grade. So I'm not going to pretend to know what's best. Uh, and I don't really want to get into that too much. But I do I do think it's interesting to think about some of these decisions. And it's something that I will criticize openly because it doesn't make any sense. You're, you're trying to protect the players from a virus that in a way that doesn't make any sense. And you're doing it by putting them at risk as far as torn ACLs, separated shoulders, you know, spinal injuries, God forbid. Like I, I just don't understand that move. So, um, I don't know. Again, maybe by the time that this podcast airs, there's some updated information there, but I, I just wanted to kind of speak on that a little bit because it is frustrating. Again, I, on this podcast, I don't really want to get into the weeds of should we play or shouldn't we play. Um, again, if, if you've been listening for a while, Jeffrey, the Greek and big Kurt, they, they've been talking about this on eyes on big. They've done a good job of having, I think a pretty logical conversation about it. Um, so check out Eyes on Big podcast. They've talked quite a bit about this. But um, again, I'm not qualified to have those discussions, so I'm going to avoid it altogether. But again, I, I think a decision like that just makes no sense. So um, let's finish off the show here. Let's uh, talk about, again, I, I reached out to some new followers on Twitter, saw if they had any um, any shout outs, any messages, any questions that they wanted. Um, we We went through... Uh, Cooperman's off the top here, but um, we got a couple more that we'll get to, and and I, this was a lot of fun. I, I got a bunch of new followers out of it, so that's nice. But um, I, I do think we'll do this. I, I'm just gonna kind of randomly DM some folks. I think 
um, that are following me that, uh, you know, to see if, if we'll get, continue to get you guys more and more involved in this show. And again, uh, we'll, we'll continue to update the mailbag. If you have any questions, just leave a review on Apple Podcast. You can ask a question on there and I'll make sure I get to it. You can tweet me at Standing Room MSU. Send me a tweet, you know, DM me, whatever you want to do, and we'll make sure you read. I'll read this on the podcast. We'll give you a chance to talk about it a little bit, and, and I'll make sure, again, you know, as if you've listened in the past, I, I make sure I really go through each question because um, you guys have some good ones on there. We've talked about tailgate cocktails. We've talked about MSU, you know, starting running backs. So it, whatever the case may be, um, it, whether it's serious or not, whether it's about Michigan State football or not, um, you know, if, if you're curious, just ask me a question and we'll, we'll make sure we get to it. But again, um, we'll finish off with some of these DMs at Spartan Sam 6. Spartan Sam, very simply, go green. Love that. Go white. Uh, let's see here. We got uh, Jack Wainick. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. At the Jack Wainick. Uh, Ohio State shout out there. Uh, he wanted to say, quote, shout out to step back Jack Hoiberg on the scholarship. I know he deserved it as soon as he told me he liked my tweets. So Jack Wainick, big time Jack Hoiberg fan. I think the the connection there is, is very palpable. Uh, I think uh, the the two jacks will get along, um, and you, you gotta love the the walk ons getting the scholarship offer. You know, I just love to see that. Um, Jack Wainick looks like a a journalism graduate from Michigan State University. Uh, let's see here. Previously of the uh, Red Cedar Log MSU. Uh, he is a Pokemon master. So go ahead and follow Jack Wainick on Twitter. Uh, four-time Izzo MVP and Pokemon master. I, I don't think the resume gets much better than that. Uh, next up, we got uh, Dan Kleinick on Twitter at D Kleinick, C-L-Y-N-A-N-I-C-K 66. Uh, Dan Kleinick spelled C-L-Y-N-I-C-K, said, uh, quote, Spartan Nation is very strong, stretching from the East Coast to the West Coast. Once a Spartan, always a Spartan, as Dan, oh, Dan Clinic. He told me how to pronounce it, and I absolutely jacked that up. I'm sorry, Dan. Dan Clinic. Um, again, C-L-Y-N-I-C-K, pronounced Clinic. Dan Clinic in Phoenix, Arizona, can well attest to. I'm sorry about the mispronunciation, Dan. You literally told me word for word how to pronounce it, and I still butchered it. So Dan Clinic at D-C-L-Y-N-I-C-K-66 on Twitter. Um, he's looking for the 1,500 follower milestone, so uh, make sure you go follow him. He's always got some Spartan pride. Uh, strong on his Twitter. I know we read one from Cooperman. I'll give him two. I I'll cheat a little bit here because the one was a great question. Um, he says, I wish MSU would put up a disc golf course back up. Uh, campus is way too beautiful not to have a stellar disc golf course. There are too many. There are many disc golf community. There are many in the disc golf community that would love to play our favorite sport on our favorite campus. Uh, that's a good take. I, I, I agree with that. There's plenty of space. We all know that. I mean, if you've, if you've made the drive from basically anywhere to East Lansing, you know how much space that the campus has to work with. 
Um, I'm a big golfer, so you know we have some nice golf courses around there, and of course, associated with MSU, you have Forest Acres. Uh, Forest Acres West is a gorgeous course. Uh, you know, one of the best golf courses in the state, quite frankly. Um, but uh, yeah, disc golf course, I don't see why not. The campus is huge. You have a lot of space to work with, and college people love disc golf. It gives you a chance to go out there. Crack a couple beers, smoke a couple joints, whatever it is that you partake in, throw some discs around. It was something I was never very good at, but, you know, I enjoyed it one way or the other. Um, Let's see here. Wells Foster was very simple. He just said, can you say, quote, follow Wells H. Foster on Twitter? So, yes, I can, Wells. So, everybody, go and follow at Wells H. Foster on Twitter, uh, spelled exactly how you would picture it. Wells is a former reporter reporter with the, I'm guessing this is the state news. Yep, the state news. And Great Lakes Echo, MSU grad of 2020. So a very accomplished young journalist. Go ahead and follow at Wells H. Foster. He's even verified with a blue check mark. Um, let's see here. At Tim R. Faulkner, Timothy Faulkner. Uh, he says, let's see here. Go Spartans in all caps. Go Spartans. Also that I hope everyone is being safe and responsible so we can see some Big Ten football this year. Preach, my man, preach. I would love, 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 love to see Big Ten football this year because I genuinely don't know what I would talk about without it. So um, listen to Timothy uh, Faulkner and, and, uh, put on a mask and, and allow us to get some football. Uh, let's see here at Braden Burke fan, Braden Burke's biggest cheerleader says, uh, I want to give a shout out to the walk on players. Um, she's a big walk on fan. And, uh, we, we kind of went back and forth on Twitter a little bit and, she is standing up for the little guys. So I absolutely love that at Braden Burke fan. Um, Braden Burke's biggest cheerleader. Um, she says, you know, how, how great the, you know, the walk on tradition is, um, how, you know, somebody has got to stand up for the little guys. So I really appreciate that. She was genuinely elated when, uh, Hoiberg got the scholarship and, and, uh, you know, you love to see that emotion, from a Spartan fan for not only our fellow Spartans, but especially for our walk-ons. Um, so, you know, absolutely appreciate the love there. Um, appreciate all of you new followers, all of you new listeners. We'll continue to do this kind of stuff as the, as the time goes on here, as fall camp gets going, as the season hopefully gets going, um, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have a ton of stuff that we'll dive into. I got my former coach, uh, coach Mack is going to hop on the, the podcast with me here. We're going to talk college football. Um, I got Scott coming back on here soon. We're going to preview Michigan state and the big 10. Um, I, I got a lot of good stuff planned. We're going to do position battles. We're going to kind of go back and forth and make your case for a certain player. Um, we got some over under props. I got a lot of preview stuff that we're going to start dipping into here in the coming weeks. Whether there is a season or not, whether there's a shortened season, a full season, whatever the case may be, we'll get you ready for that. Don't you worry. 
So if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, whatever it is that you're listening. Leave a review for me. Seriously, it really helps me out. So take five seconds. I really appreciate it. Again, keep telling your friends and family. Uh, follow me on Twitter uh, at Standing Room MSU on Instagram at Standing Room Spartans and have yourselves a week, folks.